Hey, listen up. Yeah, we here and we locked in. Let's keep it going all the way to the top ten. We feel the thorough, so it's no other option. Fred and Ryan, just watch them. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. Let's take it to the max. It's the shell and tell. They come with all the facts. It's the shell and tell. What's up, Turf fans? Fred, Ryan, and Ahmed back for yet another edition of the Shell and Tell podcast. It's a big one. It's a big show. Big news is uh, the Terps hire their new head basketball coach. And we talk a little bit about the uh, the new basketball performance center announced again. <laughs> we touch on how the new hires have changed the recruiting and retention landscape and a little, a little bit more. And we touch on uh, the how the other... Uh, Terp teams are doing on campus, starting with uh, Maryland Lacrosse. Yeah, let's dive right into that, man. Lacrosse team, number one team in the country, seven and zero on the year. I mean, this team is just dominating. And when you go up against the number two team in the country, Virginia, and dominate the way that they did in that game, it just goes to show how good this Terps team is. Yeah, national championship rematch. It didn't go our way in the big game, but it certainly went our way this year. 23-12, to 12, and it really wasn't even that close. There was a little run at the beginning of the second half where Maryland was just trying to play defense and not go like, you know, to not be risky offensive plays. And as soon as that stopped working for them, they went right back to attack mode and it was all there for them. Yeah, and they took care of little brother. That's the best part of it. Right. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I, for me, not being a huge lacrosse guy, but one of the biggest things I think that stood out to me about this Terps team is the face-off advantage. You got the Terps yet again in this game winning at 25-14. to 14. That's, for me, the biggest difference in these games and why we're seeing such lopsided scores is Maryland controls the ball off those face-offs pretty much 60-70% of the time, and uh, they tend to turn those into points, and they score heavily. Yeah, they started off that way. Two really cool highlights to mention from this game. First was Maryland gaining a lead in the first eight seconds with the dominant face-off win, sprinted to the goal, and got the assist in in just enough time to complete a rodeo ride. Eight <laughs> seconds into a lacrosse game, and we were already up on the number two team in the country. Yeah, second one that they had was later in the second half. Virginia began to get kind of desperate and pull the goalie to get the man advantage. Well, the long stick defender, Matt Rowell, made them pay for this gamble, hitting a 60-yard shot on the empty net with a long stick catapult, man. It was unreal. That was really fun to see. I haven't seen that very often. You know, <laughs> we just kind of starting to get into the lacrosse game, and that was, I was like, I like that a lot. That's fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> was for sure, man. This was... Uh, on paper, I guess their biggest test of the season, right? This is the number two team in the country. Uh, I haven't seen much hold up a challenge against us yet this year, man. This team is just riding an ultimate high. Hopefully they can carry this on throughout the year. Yeah, after uh, four games against ranked opponents, uh, they'll take on uh, Penn State at Penn State on Sunday for a 7 p.m. start uh, on the Big Ten Network. Uh, so they'll start off that, that Big Ten slate, uh, obviously end up, uh, end regular season uh, with that matchup against Johns Hopkins. So um, we'll see. But so far, so good. Um, you know, like I said, three top 10 matchups. So uh, this team has already been battle tested. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see if they're able to remain perfect uh, till the end. Yeah, I'm sad I'm going to miss that Johns Hopkins matchup. I saw it on the schedule and I was like, oh, I really want to go to that one. Let's get tickets. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to be in Crum, Texas at a wedding. No. <laughs> Sorry for your luck. game sounds much better. That's right. I'm going to hit up Googs that day. I'm going <laughs> to go to that lacrosse game without you. I'll send you plenty of pictures. Uh, 
Let's move on from one winning program to yet another, man. Shout out to the Terps baseball team. They started out really, really hot. 17-4 and on the season, the number 20 team in the country now. 9-0 and at home. Now, they did come off a series opening loss to Dallas Baptist yesterday, who's 14-7 and overall on the road. Uh, but this team, man, they are playing good baseball, both with the bat, with the glove, and pitching all around. Good to have a winner in Maryland baseball. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> not that team in Baltimore. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's been a strong year so far. Like you said, you know, uh, obviously able to, to start out. And uh, with that hot start, they opened up and uh, ranked in that top 25. So uh, they're coming off a series opening loss to the, the Dallas Baptist uh, on the road. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see uh, what, what, what's up next and how they're able to bounce back. couple of yeah. shout-outs, man. Junior outfielder Troy Schleffler batting 363 on the year with five doubles, four home runs, and 22 RBIs. And then our senior leader, Maxwell Costas, tearing it up, batting 293 with six doubles, eight home runs, leading the team uh, 21 RBIs. Their next home game is on Tuesday the 29th against Towson. Local game, so if you guys want to get out there and watch some winning baseball, uh, get up to the Terps and watch them play against the local rival in Towson. We got the Lady Terps just wrapped up their season. Uh, you know, of course, whenever the season ends, a little bit of disappointment, but still great season, man. Making the Sweet 16. Uh, Terps fell to the top-seeded Stanford Trees, one of the very few uh mascots less intimidating than the, the turtles <laughs> <laughs> got out there losing to trees uh, stanford 72 terp scored 66 and lost by six you take that how you will but apparently it just was not our day they they were down 26 going into the fourth they, they were much as much as 26 uh that was uh, i turned the channel uh, i think i got up and made something myself something to eat and the next thing i know i turned back and it was a 13 point game um, they, they almost did it. Diamond Miller had four fouls. She fouled out uh, in the fourth quarter. So it was, they, they almost did it. There was a couple minutes left in the game, three, four minutes. And it looked like Maryland was going to have a chance to, to retake it. But, um, like you said, uh, consecutive sweet 16 is nothing to be disappointed about, but definitely, definitely disappointing. end. yeah, it's a little bit of a letdown. You know, there's a team that they, they brought all their starters yep. back, expected to make another deep run for a national championship, potentially this year, come up a little bit short, but again, like you said, getting into the sweet 16 is never something that, you know, shake your nose at. So, and the good news, Underclassman Angel Reese led the team with 25 points, nine rebounds, managed to get the line early and often going 10 for 12 from the charity stripe. The future remains really, really bright for Brenda and company, including Angel. I mean, this is a girl that's going to dominate the Big Ten for a long time. Yeah, well, now yeah. we got to move on to Angel's brother and hopefully his new coach, as long as we can get these guys sticking around town. That's right. <laughs> That's right. As we move on, man, the uh, the Terps finally make the the much anticipated announcement uh, as to who their new basketball coach is going to be, and it's Kevin Willard out of Seton Hall gets the job. Initial reactions, guys, to the hire. Were you excited about it? Uh, what was your feelings? Initially, I wasn't all that excited because it just, I guess like we just heard the name so much. It was like right at the beginning, it was like the obvious answer and there was a lot of tease about different things throughout the time and like, oh, no, we're not worried at any, you know, about the money, the buyouts and all these things. So initially I was a little hesitant. I'm feeling a lot better today, but we'll get into that. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, personally, uh, I'm just have a sense of relief that the position is filled and you know, are able to actually move forward, uh, truthfully. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, you know, you kind of look at Kevin Willard and um, really once you started digging around, the first thing you heard was that Maryland was a school that he wanted to really be at. Um, so I think when you're, you talk about 
Damon what he wanted to find in a coach and um you know to a T kind of Kevin Willard definitely definitely checks off that box so I think it's an intriguing hire and uh definitely he's definitely hitting the ground running that's for sure yeah I had a similar reaction I mean I I uh I think I wanted the big splash name I wanted the Rick Patino, the guy that could come in here and and make an instant re you know splash with the players and recruiting and and just get the fan base excited because it's a name and all that stuff but it was a very short term uh, return on investment that you're going to get with Rick Pitino. Uh, I think Kevin Willard is the guy that's going to fit the bill more of a long-term stretch. Uh, I know there's a lot of comparisons to his game versus or coaching style versus Mark Turgeon and how his coaching style was. And I think that's what the fan base is a little up in arms about with this hire was that was seemed almost like a lateral move. Uh, but there's a lot of things that he said in his press conference, a lot of things that his resume brings that over time as I've digested, I'm more and more excited about it. Yeah. You talked about Patino being your top pick. Well, he began his coaching career with the Celtics in 97 under Patino. So this is part of the Patino tree, you know, shake it, shake it off and hopefully you find a little mini Patino here. Right. <laughs> I like that for sure. Uh, listen, I, I don't know how much the fans are behind this move. I mean, I'm watching social media. I'm listening to social media, and it's kind of a mixed bag. you got some fans that are strongly in his corner. At the end of the day, listen, this is the decision that the, that, that, you know, the staff made, and this is the decision we got to make you know, the best out of. we got to get behind this guy and rally him. We can't run this guy out of town just as fast as we ran Turgeon out the last couple of years. Uh, we got to stick positive to this one because I think this guy with the right coaching staff and assistance, which he did fill those in, uh, can do a very, very good job. Yeah. And you kind of hit the nail on the head. I think that the, the immediate, um, you know, the feedback once the hire was announced was, OK, what does that staff look like? And, you know, I mentioned Tony Skin over the weekend, uh, someone to, to note. Uh, he was on that uh, George Mason 2016. And he's a guy that uh, Dwayne Wise, he's a, a director uh, team, uh, excuse me, uh, director of recruiting uh, for team Durant, And he mentioned that, you know, he, that, that skins hire will be able to help out with that recruiting um, has some Baltimore ties, but will be able to help out in Baltimore or uh, in DC as well. Um, then you have David Cox, who's another guy that he hasn't been announced yet, but he's going to be that second guy. And um, he's another guy that helps with local recruiting. So that's huge. I think when exactly when you look at Turgeon, you know, these last couple of years and then the emergence of the transfer portal, you kind of, uh, you know, he, he made a run at the local guys, obviously like Cam Whitmore, but the success, the, the, the pulling, the keeping the top talent at home was no longer the case with Maryland. It was more of an anomaly rather than a trend. Um, so I think getting these two assistants in, um, I think the, the, that would be, uh, very big hire and that kind of helps move the needle change the perception uh with maryland i I think some of the things the fans were upset about they're upset about is his tournament record one and five right but when you really look at it you know one and five for maryland would be terrible but one and five at seton hall when you're talking about where he brought them from which was a nothing tiny catholic school that never went to the tournament at all really is not that bad i mean he was the the bottom seed in a bunch of these matchups, the only time that he was favored and lost bad was a 6-versus-11 in 2016. The other two times that he was favored was an 8-versus-9 matchup, which you're basically not favored at that point, and he split those. So, like, it wasn't... He had one bad year. The 6-versus-11 probably shouldn't happen. But other than that, it really isn't that bad. He got them to the tournament where they had never been before. He grew this little place with no resources. You're going to have much more resources at University of Maryland than you would Seton Hall and that wasn't true for some of the other schools we were trying to steal from you're absolutely right and speaking of one of those resources man Mr. 
Under Armour, Mr. University of Maryland himself, Kevin Plank, spoke on Willard uh, and what he brings. When I first heard the news about Coach Willard uh, joining the University of Maryland basketball team and as our new head coach, I was excited for my alma mater because I knew that we were getting not only a great coach, but a really great person. And that is the quality of character that we look for here at the University of Maryland. And while Coach Willard has led an impressive basketball program at Seton Hall over the past 12 years, focusing on things like player development, but even more importantly on culture and on the kids and on character. And I want to thank on a personal note, because there's a little bit of conflict here, is that Brian Felt, the athletic director at, at Seton Hall, is also an Under Armour school. So it's a little bit of a, a, a nod that we have. But I'd, I'd like to say just a couple things about what it means to join this great league, too. It's competitive, and competitive at the point where it is going to take all of us. And we want you to know from the bottom of our heart that you have all of our support. And I'm proud of what, frankly, the Under Armour side can hopefully do to help provide you with the best product and gear to give our athletes every bit of edge that we can out there. It's really good to hear from Kevin. Before yeah. I pick apart and make fun of some things a little bit later in this, it's really good to hear from Kevin because he's always around. He's a huge part of this donor. Maryland football would be nowhere near what it is without Kevin Plank. Frankly, we'd still be in the ACC without Kevin Plank existing with Under Armour. Uh, so it's awesome to see more of like a vocal, more out front, because he's always around, but you just don't hear from him. Yeah, uh, I think it's it, it definitely uh, was good to see him, and and I thought it was funny that Willard mentioned that uh, he didn't know that Kevin Plank was was going to be at the press conference, and then he noted that Seton Hall used to be an Adidas school, and they were uh, not in a good spot financially, and Under Armour kind of came in and, and saved them. So I think that's uh, kind of an interesting uh, connection between the two. Uh, but like you said, you know, Kevin Plank is definitely uh, one of the most public ambassadors for. Maryland. Um, I think when you just look at you know the the notable names that to come out of Maryland um, and his imprint uh, behind the scenes on uh, on Maryland athletics has definitely been huge. So um, was was good to see the the Under Armour connection at the press conference. And it was good to hear that like the step up to Under Armour because all that you know we always have the whiny complaining fans. The one the loudest ones are always <laughs> the ones that are upset, right? That are like, well, Under Armour's holding us back because we can't get this from because this is a Nike thing and this is Nike that and they control everything. Well. You know, it, it could be worse, clearly, from those conversations. Uh, the, the the humble brag of Kevin Plank up there talking about his the number of Under Armour schools in the in the tournaments, and we got this guy Steph, and this guy it was it's kind of interesting. It was like an Under Armour commercial standing up there, <laughs> and then the most awkward regift in the history of time. Ahmed, how how did that go in person? Yeah, we literally did not know what was going on. It was just so very <laughs> awkward. I mean, let alone, you know, we, we're not even talking about the fact that you couldn't hear the audio in the arena, barely. So then all of a sudden, you just see that uh, there's this giant UA emblem that's just appearing um, just from behind the stage. Uh, and Kevin Willard did not know what to do with it. You could see Jimmy Pat just keep saying, like, I can't you want to hold it? You want to hold it? It was kind of funny. And then but, Kevin uh, Plank clarified that this was like short-term notice that this was going to happen. And like he didn't have anything to give him and he wanted a gift. And he literally pulled this off a wall at the Under Armour factory well, to give to Kevin. 
I got a lot of open walls in this new house. I got a place. If you need somewhere to store it, Kevin, call me up. Hit me up. If you don't know what to do with it, I mean, I will still take it. Yeah, 100%. It was was hard to watch. hard to watch. Well, one of the things that we wanted to hear from, obviously, is we got to hear from Kevin himself. We wanted to figure out why Maryland, why this job was important to him, and why this kind of all meshed together. This is this is a top 10 job in college basketball, hands down. Uh, I would not be here. I would not have moved my family and left a, a place that I loved very dearly if I did not think this was a place that we should be winning national championships and is that is a top 10 job. And that's what I believe this is. And that was the vision that Damon gave to me from the start was that this is the University of Maryland. This is an unbelievable job in an unbelievable area. And as I very quickly and my family have quickly found out with unbelievable people, we've been so welcomed in just the, the two days that I've, that we've been working together. Uh, I would just like to say, Damon, thank you so much for the tremendous opportunity that you have given my family and I, and that we will work every day to make sure that we are competing for national championships every day. Well, he's saying all the right things, right? Top uh, 10? Uh, yeah, that's where I was going to go. Top 10 <laughs> job in the country. I mean, that might be a little uh Top 10 potential, but... I'll buy. Top 10 now, not even close. Uh, I, I think top 10 in my mind. Um, top 10 in my mind would be for the, the elite blue bloods where if they have a great year, if they have a bad year, um, it impacts how college basketball is viewed. In my mind, I think when Maryland, uh, it's a top 20 job because... When Maryland is winning, the fans are in the arena, the juice, the buzz, the local footprint that Maryland has. Um, I think when Maryland's at its peak, it's not moving. The, it's not it's not uh, drawing national attention, but it's still one of the hardest places to play. Um, one of the most ha- story traditions and obviously still uh, the, the last Big Ten team to win national championship. So I think top 20, but uh, Willard has said top 10 a couple of times on the yeah. uh, on the media trail uh, this week. I'm not too far off. I think right now I'd have them right around the 30 number. When you build this facility, I'll give yeah, you the 25-20, okay. and if we're winning, we could easily be a top 20 position. I agree, right with, <laughs> I agree with Ahmed. I think at its peak in its heyday when everything is, is going good and the fans are in the stands, yeah, it's a top 20 job right and in this area in the dmv area the recruiting grounds that you have here there's no reason that this team shouldn't be a constant you know in constant competition for a top 25 position top 10 that's a little uh ambitious but yeah right now i think it can be top politics (laughs) right right that's what i say he's saying all the right things here uh mentioned later the timing the move working for his family with both boys entering ninth and 10th grade uh, I don't know if there's a connection I, there or what. I think that that might be a little bit of how awkward this whole thing with Turgeon was. Like the the aggressive kind of like, yeah, he didn't quit and walk away, but we didn't really do anything to be like, no, no, stay till the end of the year, please. Like we just like I think that Willard has always been Damon's guy. He's been trying to get Willard here for probably two years or so, and this was an opportunity where he saw because he basically said that. He didn't want to move his kids as they, after they got established in high school because his dad did that to him in like the 11th grade or something, and he didn't want to do that to his own children. So it was a time to move so they can get into high school, 
have their friends established, enjoy those like prime years of their childhood. Right. So I think this was like a now or never type moment because his kid would be in 11th grade next year, which is when his dad did it to him and he didn't want it to happen. So yeah. I didn't think this was the now or never move if this was Damon's guy. And and even Willard at the press conference, he, he mentioned that he had four offers to leave Seton Hall this cycle. Um, and it, it kind of hit me. Someone asked him, he said, you know, you had four offers to go to other schools, but, you know, how, how big of a factor was it that Maryland chose you? Um, and he kind of took a second, had a big smile on his face and said, yeah, that was huge. And, you know, I think that that also kind of goes back, you know, everything was he wants to be on the East Coast. He likes the area. He doesn't want to go like Missouri was a school that was was, you know, in the headlines of Kevin Willard was uh, drawing uh, uh, himself as one of the top candidates for that vacancy. Um, but that's a move to the Midwest. That's a complete different uh, just pace of life, really. Um, so Maryland, I think, just kind of hit a lot of the boxes that he wanted. And uh, like, you, like you guys have mentioned, like we've, we brought up, you know, it was an obvious step up for him. Um, so I think, um, you know, I think it all just kind of all worked together for him. The other question that was asked that we didn't pull on this one was about whether the basketball performance center being fully funded was a sticking point like was that going to stop him from signing his contract if they hadn't like brought it out because it's, like, it's an honest question when you're talking about announcing these two things in the same in the same meeting and he said it wasn't a sticking point at all he doesn't really worry about it that this is still a top 10 job with or without it and that um you know he's excited for what it can do for the current players, because a lot of people just make it like a recruiting tool. It's only a big, shiny thing to bring people in. But and it, he says it's for to make people better. But we talked about this before. Really, the Performance Center just brings us to equal with everybody else yeah. that's in the Big Ten. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think it's like this knight in shining armor that's going to save the day and make the program that much better than everybody else. It's just going to bring us to par with yeah. everybody, in my opinion. And and, and and I think I think Willard's point is also pretty pretty accurate you know that you know obviously recruiting you know the bells and whistles you know it obviously helps but he he's not wrong when he talks about you know the fact that it gives your team a hub essentially to uh just work out or practice or you know they don't know what to do they don't want to hang in their apartment they just hang out at the perform the performance center coaches use this a lot to say hey you know like this is these are all the resources that we have to keep your kid out of trouble within you know under our guidance you know make right. sure that they're developing so like you guys said you know maryland's not um able to to say that they have anything that uh other schools don't uh quite frankly if you look at the the, the performance center link on um terps there doesn't really appear to be too many um differentiating factors uh with the maryland facility versus uh other other facilities nationally um but i do think just from a a, huge step up from where we are 100 100 and it is needed like like you said you 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 can't not have it um you can't say that you're dedicated to basketball and uh and and be one of the four programs or one of the limited programs that doesn't have one well needed is a uh, is a key word here because you know we've talked about this performance center now for a few years right and they make this announcement that it's coming and uh expected to begin construction january 1st 2023 well they got to hit that dollar mark right and apparently they're they're still looking at 40 million dollars and sitting at about three million short of that so somebody's got to close the gap between now and then for this to to all go as scheduled and as planned because the original plan was we're not starting construction until everything is 100 percent funded yeah and i'm not sure why everyone decided to run with uh, damon said that the full 40 million is collected you could literally listen to his words he did not say that he said nearly um and uh, what was it a week or two before um he said we're about three million short 
Um, so that's been consistent. Um, and it seems like kind of from the get go, you know, when you look at the Jones Hill house, the stopping and starting a construction, you don't want to do that again with the basketball facility. Right. So from my understanding was there was a minimum threshold of 40 million in order to proceed. Um, and that was a decision made from day one, you know, when they first announced, announced the facility, they had 19 of the 36 million. So they could have proceeded then, uh, just like they did with Jones Hill house. But, um, obviously they, they decided to hold off. So a little bit confusing to, to say that, you know, this is the, the benchmark needed to move forward and you're not at the benchmark and you're moving forward. But at the end of the day, it's uh, we're, we're approaching April and uh, with Damon PR saying that <laughs> exactly. And, right. and, but I think Damon from the perspective of, you know, Jane one, uh, 2023, you know, that's eight months away. So, uh, if it's 3 million gives you time, but, uh, so I just thought it was kind of a, an, a interesting, uh, combo announcement, but, uh, like, like we said on inside the black and gold, it'll take 18 months to, uh, to complete. <laughs> well, yeah. Right. <laughs> the state facility, 18 months is projected. Uh, yeah. Every, yeah. actually Damon even said himself, he said, I've been told everything yeah. takes 18 months to complete. Yeah. This is, a, we're one year away from being three years away. That's where we are yeah. for this. Construction. Sounds about I'm, right. I'm going to end up being a father before this thing. Is done, isn't <laughs> yeah. It? yeah. But well, we'll, we'll have that 3 million cover because I got a nice parlay for Talia, uh, oh, winning Jesus, Heisman and Maryland winning the national championship so we'll be all right we well, we get no problem we all got right. you piss that money away <laughs> all right well before he gets the shiny re- new facility and all that stuff the thing that i think kevin's going to be judged on immediately uh is going to be recruiting right and it's been a little bit of a gap between turgeon leaving and the new re- you know the new head coach being named so he's got some ground that he needs to make up uh first step with that like we mentioned was hiring the right assistants and tony skin and i think david cox are are good cogs there uh but you know, DMV area is a, you know, hotbed of talent, right? So he's working in the right area to make noise quickly. But I think if the fan base uh, is going to get behind it, we need to see some commitments from some big names, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I think so too. And I think between, you know, the high school recruiting and transfer portal, um, you know, so Brandon Murray, he's, uh, uh, he attended Baltimore Poly and he's uh, just wrapped up his freshman year over at LSU. Um, and then you have the high school targets, you know, uh, Noah Bachelor is a guy that uh, I wrote about. And he said after his last unofficial, he's not going to make any commitment until or decisions until the coaching carousel kind of sits. And um, he's a guy that, you know, just from the vibe and talking to him, um, he, he would be a guy that is definitely in Maryland's wheelhouse and that someone that Willard's able to reel in. Um, and, you know, like we talked about earlier in the show, you know, that the local footprint, the local talent, um, these two guys are definitely guys that will be able to kind of get their foot in the door. So uh, as of right now, with Marcus Dockery transferring, Maryland has five scholarships. Um, so we'll see how, how they attack. But guard is definitely going to be uh, a position of focus. Well, Kevin himself got a chance to talk about the DMV and what it's going to be like recruiting locally. Yeah. Um, you know, I've recruited down in the DMV quite a bit. I mean, that's the nice thing. I, technically, my house is only two and a half hours away from campus right here. Um, so I've spent a lot of time. I've, I've had a couple players from this area. Um, I, I already have two guys on staff. Uh, both guys are from this area, um, have went to high school in this area. Uh, one went to college in this area. Um, I, I have a very good understanding of what we need to do to recruit this area and the type of guys that need to be on my staff. Um, it, this, this is a, this is what I love about the DMV is that not only does it have great players, it's extremely well coached at the high school level and the AAU level. It's, there's some of the best programs. It's just not because they have great players. It's also because they have great coaches in this area. Um, so my staff will reflect what this area is and will definitely be involved with 
uh, guys that grew up here, guys that maybe went to college here, uh, and guys that know the AAU and high school programs really well. Well, Jay Wright, head coach of Villanova, basically echoed those same statements in a recent interview when he was talked to about recruiting in the DMV. That's a guy you got to get the hell out of the DMV. Stop having him pull all of our talent and bring that to Maryland because Villanova is constantly, you talk about top 10 program, they're constantly in the finals or in like that sweet 16 area uh, of the tournament at least. Yeah, they, they, and it was kind of funny because, you know, when you look at Villanova way back when, you know, they can never kind of get over the hump and now they've gotten over it and they just can't seem to get off of it. Right. Exactly. It's so far so good with his promises. You got the two guys we locked up. We've already mentioned. I think maybe we dig a little bit deeper. Let's start with Tony Skin. What do we know about this guy? Yeah. What's he bring to the program? Yeah, he's a guy that uh, works a lot with his guards. Uh, he obviously he's coming over uh, one season over from Ohio State. Uh, worked with Willard over at Seton Hall, uh, and as I mentioned earlier in the season or, or earlier in the episode, uh, he started on that uh, 06 George Mason team that went to the Final Four. Um, so he's he's a guy that, uh, like I said, you know he'll be able to kind of help out with DC. Uh, worked over with uh, Team Takeover uh, way back in the day. Um, and to come to come a park native. So um, I think he's a guy that he's going to be the one that, that kind of gets Maryland's foot in the door with a lot of these local guys um, with David Cox kind of probably being secondary guy, but uh, it seems like Tony skin's going to be that, that energetic recruiter that's going to be on the staff. So I think Tony skin's one of those guys, like he got to see what that final four did for George Mason. George Mason is a tiny school down the road. Nobody thinks of him. I'm a local local here. had never even heard of him, you know? Um, but that year they went to the final four when we went to D.C., I saw George Mason as a stop on the metro and convinced my parents to let us go walk around George Mason just like a week or two after the Final Four. And you saw the whole place abuzz, the whole place like decked out in George Mason gear, way more than it ever would have been you know, before that type of championship. Just a buy-in. You talk about the increase in applications, the increase yep. in, in you know, student interest, all the, all the, the hidden money that comes from winning at basketball saw that with umbc and their big win yeah, over virginia exactly well. it really is is special so it's good to see that kind of tie that kind of understands that and had lived through it yeah exactly and uh, i think on the court as well you know i mentioned that he works well with guards um he, he got a chance to work with uh buckeyes freshman guard uh, malachi branham who actually ended up earning big 10 freshman of the year and uh skin also played a b- pretty big part in uh but quincy mcknight and miles powell uh, over at seton hall so um, I think, you know, in between uh, connecting with guys, knowing the the, the, the prominent coaches and uh, boosters and things like that, and uh, obviously having the on-court development to, to show for it, um, he's definitely definitely going to be a, a good good asset in the program. David Cox, the other uh, guy you mentioned that they brought on to staff, another local guy uh, with ties, I guess, to Archbishop Carroll High School as well. Tell us a little bit about Cox and what he brings. Yeah, and another guy that, you know, like I said, a local footprint uh, worked with, you know, I mentioned Skin used to work over at uh, Team Takeover and, you know, Cox used to work over at DC Assault. I don't hate um, that. Yeah, <laughs> right. exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think um, you look at you know, where he's also been as well uh, as an assistant at both uh, Georgetown uh, and Pitt and Rutgers, uh, served as an interim head coach after Eddie Jordan was uh, let go back in 2012. And then He's actually just now joining the Maryland staff after four years at Rhode Island, or eight years at Rhode Island, four of which were ah. as head coach. Um, and he was 64 and 55 overall. Um, Familiar he was, with Fats then, huh? Ex- exactly. Cox was the guy that recruited Fats Russell uh, out of high school. Um, he also pulled in Stanford Robinson, who was an uh, Indiana transfer out of the transfer portal. So um, and I think just, again, just his ties with as an assistant um, and the local local ties that he started with uh, as a coach, as a coach uh, definitely helps the program. And then, you know, 
Um, you know, I mentioned Skin, what he's done well with uh, on the court. And I think when you look at uh, Cox, what he does and how he helps, you know, more than just being a recruiter. Um, he's a guy with head coaching experience, obviously interim status at Rutgers, but then four years at Rhode Island, uh, winning record 44 and 55 overall. So just kind of having someone alongside Willard to, to kind of bounce ideas off of, I think that that's, uh, that's another aspect that possibly gets overlooked, but that's uh, definitely, definitely needed. I know Ayala's probably done, but he technically has that COVID year. Does yeah. Fats, is he completely done? Does he's yeah. he's exhausted. He doesn't even have that, a COVID year. It sucks, man. I wish we had at least one more year yeah. with that guy. He, he was just starting to come into his own and get comfortable in that offense. I would have loved to see him one more year. He he is just so fun to watch. He is. I mean, it's just like just, just defensively, just the energy he plays with. And then when you see him, you know, when he's not playing, he just so honest so open he's got a big old smile on his face he's just a really really easy guy to root the amount for. of positive thoughts maryland fans have about that guy <laughs> in this year where there were no positive yeah. thoughts like imagine what it could have been yeah it really right could have been something special exactly so i tell us a little bit about what you're hearing what's the buzz from some local prospect i mean are people happy with the hire with the assistance and everything that they've been bringing on board yeah, I got a chance to talk with uh, a couple of the coaches. I you know posted on Monday with uh, uh, Spalding, uh, Mount St. Joe's as well. Um, and I think a lot of guys, you know, a couple, couple of the feedback that I've heard is some guys say they don't really have a personal relationship with Willard. But then you mentioned, you know, Skin, David Cox, and they're like, yeah, I know him. Skin is the guy that really is coming up a lot more. Um, and it just feels like overall, uh, a lot of the feedback is, you know, Maryland needs to just stay more consistent with guys they have need to have the guys uh, on the staff that know the dmv and you know when you mention hey what do you think about skin and cox they say those are great guys one person you always hear this they know one or the other um so it does feel like these these two hires obviously cox hasn't been announced yet skin was announced on thursday um so those they sounds like on paper those gonna are, are gonna be the two hires that help maryland do what they need to do especially locally um so we'll see how the third the rest of the staff plays out that third assistant but um so far it seems like uh, and especially you know i mentioned a lot of these coaches don't have a personal relationship with willard yet but they know skinner cox so both of those guys are able to kind of help bridge the gap get willard uh in front of them as well and kind of build those relationships but um one coach the, the spalding head coach he did mention you know one thing with maryland right now they're gonna have to kind of ramp it up a little bit more especially with local guys um hit hit the ground a little bit harder than the rest of the schools because it's maryland you you've, you've <laughs> right. got something to prove under the staff now um and i don't think that from what i understand about skin it, you don't have to worry about um effort and staying consistent with him on the trail so um we shall see how it plays out, but uh, I think I think Maryland they're they're at least getting themselves into position where they're able to uh, to reel in local talent now. Well, I got a little PTSD going on. I don't want to get too excited about Cox until the ink is dry on the paper with the way the assistants yeah. leave. <laughs> I want to wait till that's done and official. Kevin Steele, man, <laughs> that guy you ruined uh, us. Yeah, right. So you know, recruiting uh, obviously in Jersey uh, is also a big thing for Willard. Do you think that gives him a leg up already in, in, in being familiar with that area? Yeah. Yeah. Again, you know, that New York, New Jersey area, I think that definitely helps just having that familiarity there. Um, so we'll see what, you know, how, how that third assistant plays and, and kind of what, what shoe drops there and who, who ends up filling it. But again, I think Willard, he, he's a guy that, you know, obviously has his reputation there. Um, so I think, you know, just kind of this East coast, you know, obviously from the DMV into the New York, New Jersey uh, area, I think that that's kind of where Maryland should be focusing their efforts. So um, still feels like it's going to be that same foothold. And then uh, you, you get to go out of state a little bit, but um, I, I think, I think 
that that's kind of the home base right now. That's that's huge because I mean you think about Kevin Huter and you think about um, um, Mello Tremble, both guys that came from that New York area, and those are guys that obviously left big imprints uh, on the Maryland program. That's a a recruiting bed that you do not want to lose contact with. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah. The next step, I know Ryan and I have both been talking about where I think we're both concerned about is current players, right? So we got to see what the relationship is like with that, with him. Has he talked to the players yet? And he talked a little bit about that in his presser. I did. I, I, I've talked to them and reached out through him through text and I've actually had some phone conversations. We had our first, I had to wait till I got officially hired today. We had our first Zoom meeting. Um, it's always fun to have 11 kids back on Zoom. I, I forgot how much they hated it. <laughs> I forgot how much I hated it. Uh, just brought back nightmares of COVID. Uh, a very, you know, I, I watched, I watched, again, because of location, um, I was able to watch them play this year. Um, and I, what I told them is I was very proud of, of how they played, how hard they played under the circumstances that they went, went through. Um, I know most of them. Um, I've either played against them in conferences or, I've recruited them, so it was. It, I know most of them, so it, the conversation for me was very. It was a simple message, and it wasn't a very long message. It was um, enjoy spring break, and when you come back to the University of Maryland, we're going to start working, we're going to start having fun, and we're going to start building a national championship team. Um, I was. That's pretty much all I said to him, to be honest with you. It's just I saw Zoom, and you know. It, you know, a couple guys are like, you know, they're playing video games, trying to make it, you know, it's just, it's just like when my kids are in school with Zoom, they, you know, they're trying to give you your attention, but it, it's there. So I'm looking forward. We have a first team meeting Monday morning um, where I can see them in person. I think that's much more important seeing them in person. And then uh, we, we will start practice on Tuesday. Well, most of them, let's hope that priority number one is Julian Reese in that most of them category. <laughs> Yeah, the yeah. Uh, interesting thing with Julian Reese is like weird connection. He played at Pittsburgh. Willard played at Pittsburgh the same time as Julian's aunt played at Pittsburgh on the women's team. Oh, wow. Um, so they're familiar. And he also offered him at Seton Hall. So I'm feeling a lot better about Julian, who was the number one priority, and a little bit better about a few of the others we still think have enough talent to be better than the other options we have in the transfer portal. And it was a quick clip, but we did see a clip of him interacting with Dante Scott. That seemed to go well. It was just a little video clip that the Terps put up and whatnot. So I guess if there's you know much that you can pull from that, at least it's getting started on the right foot. Yeah, I think um, Julian Reese, I think you know, he, he, he keeps getting brought up a lot. Um, but I think one thing to think about, and I think Angel Reese, I just saw another article uh, this week that um, she, she had mentioned, you know, NIL was going very well for her. Uh, and they've been able to, that both Julian and Angel have been able to get some NIL opportunities because their brother and sister are playing on Maryland Same men's and women's yeah. basketball team. So um, I think it would still take a lot. I mean, like I said before, you know, you see his mom at all the games. You see Dante Demas at uh, all the games, at the home games with uh, Angel Reese. Um, you see him a lot more. You hear about him a lot more, just like involved in the Maryland community as a whole. Um, the only thing about the transfer portal that makes it tough is that, you know, at the end of the day, it, it, it can change on in a matter of seconds. You know, you always hear about guys. Uh, they have the transfer portal paperwork from compliance and it's just sitting on their desk and they don't fill it out. Um, then you have some guys that just, you know, they have it and then, you know, wake up decide that they want to hit the portal and things things develop that way so i mean you know things change really fast but um i'd be still pretty shocked if you see julian reese transfer um so i think 
like you guys said, um, you know, obviously for Willard to come in and, and recruit this roster, we have five uh, open scholarships right now. So just kind of stabilizing it and keeping that core of, you know, Julian Reese, Dante Scott, Hakeem Hart, you know, those that's kind of the biggest step right now. So um, it'll definitely be interesting. Uh, first uh, team meeting will be on Monday and then they will start practice on Tuesday. So I can't imagine it'll be uh, very much longer. Yeah, it's interesting to hear the engagement process for sure. There's an awful lot of political talk, especially in this one. I don't believe for one hot second that he watched any Maryland basketball this year. You are a, a coach of a Division One team that went to the tournament. You're watching your team and the teams you're about what? to play. It depends on how Maryland early basketball. Maryland was having conversations with him. Because you got to remember the Turgeon situation. <laughs> I guess you're right. The Turgeon situation <laughs> happened super early. So I guess that's true. That might be. Uh, I forgot about that third factor there. That this might have already been in the books yeah <laughs> yep. um and then it was also really cool he's not lying about the fun like when he says get back to have fun i saw a seton hall interview um and he talked about how he's pretty sure they were the only big east team that plays music throughout the entire practice so it's a very juju smith schuster approved uh practice schedule god <laughs> <laughs> so so it's got uh, he's, he's trying Guy's to bring already the fun dancing and swag in a back. Kansas City Chiefs jersey. Yeah. <laughs> uh so I gotta ask you guys, how do you feel just in general about the presser? Did Willard check most of the boxes for you at least? Yeah, I think he did. Um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it's you you're kinda getting up there and you know, saying all the right things. And I think just uh, even even after the fact, I thought it was kinda interesting that, you know, he he had mentioned, you know, what's needed to get this team back to the NCAA tournament, things like that. But uh, I just think uh hitting, hitting on some pieces on the Maryland history, you know, why he took his family, why he moved his job, why he see, saw it as appealing. Um, you know, he, he hit hit the nail on a lot of the heads on especially about local recruiting as well. So um yeah, check the boxes for me. Yeah, I mean the presser in general, there were definitely some awkward moments. Like I said, the the regift giant, but none of those awkward it. moments were on Willard. It was everybody around Willard. Willard. Yeah. It was it was Kevin. It was Damon. Uh, Willard seems fine. Yeah. Uh, I feel much better about Willard today than when it was announced. Hundred um, percent. And I feel worse about some of the people that I you know was championing for. So I uh, you know I, I was on the podcast where I thought Enfield was was my guy. And the more I've seen Enfield in this tournament, the more I've thought he went to school in Maryland and went to school at Hopkins and still doesn't seem like an East coast guy. So I don't know how that's possible. Willard is the East coast guy I was looking for. Yeah. He has the attitude. He has the personality that I thought we would get in Enfield just by reading. Um, so I liked that. And just the age thing has always been a sticking point from me. Like the guys we talked about Bray 63, Patino 69, Kevin, uh, Kevin Sampson, 66, Bruce Pearl, 62. Are these guys like, bigger home runs and i'd be more excited today sure short like, term three years from now we have to do this all over again and i just we're already at this point like just find somebody we can get you know eight ten twelve years out of that if it works you might get a guy that coaches here till 62 and that it matters so i mean unless you're gonna you know go get nate oats from from bama which let's be honest we're not outbidding bama and even if we did we might not have the money and resources that bama is right. giving him so he could end up being a worse coach here than he is there so that's not true with willard we're gonna give him more he is going to improve somehow like whether it's enough to make up for the big 10 jump in production we'll have to see but he will be better here than he was there yeah and the only other name that i had on any kind of radar from a youth 
younger standpoint would have been Musselman out of Arkansas, but that guy now he's in the elite eight. I don't think he's going anywhere. Like he's turned that program around. It's doing really well. Uh, I don't think Maryland would have been appealing enough or would have been able to afford him. Yeah. Arkansas has Walmart money and Jerry Jones money. So again, I don't think we can outbid anything they're interested in either. All right. Well then to measure his success, Obviously, we're going to need something to happen short term. What do you need to see? You know, we, we talk about this all the time with Loxley, right? We talk about winning one more game than you won the previous year, getting bowl eligible, right? We kind of saw the progression of things with Loxley. What do we need to see from Willard to get this thing moving in the right in the right direction? I think uh, obviously hitting, hitting the portal, you know, we, we mentioned, you know, especially Eric Ayala and Fats Russell, you know, we mentioned guard play is going to be a, a point of emphasis for him and you know, five open scholarships. So I think just first getting an impact guy to, to come in and, and help uh, lead this recharge uh, in Maryland's backcourt next year. Um, and then Willard also talked about, you know, local recruiting, high school recruiting, uh, in addition to the French portal, because high school recruiting allows you to develop your team culture and things like that. Um, so I do think that it is important for Willard to get uh, one of these 22 local guys. You know, he has Bryce Lindsay, St. Francis guard. Uh, he recently decommitted out of St. Uh, Francis. Um, excuse me. He decommitted from South Carolina, uh, point guard out of St. Francis, um, Judah Mintz, Tyrell Ward, Noah Bachelor. So there are a couple of names, and I do think that all those guys would fill Maryland's uh, uh, hole in some capacity. So just, just kind of getting the ball rolling on that because I think – once Maryland fans see that, that'll really help get the the optimism to to only build going into the season. Yeah, the transfer portal is all fine and good, but I'm a little burnt from this season. The Quotas Wahab and Fats Russell looked like a home run. The best guard, the best big man. Wahab never showed it. It took a real long time for Fats to show it. So, yes, it's important, but to me, I'm more focused on those freshmen you discussed. The yeah. the big hits, and especially the hits from the schools we have not been able to get into with Turgeon. Get into the DeMathas. Get into the schools that have just been ignoring us for the last eight to ten years. Um, the Team Durant, bringing people in like that to sh- see that there is something different. Of course, you need winning, You need some, but that's a long-term type thing. To make us feel good over this summer, I need to see something different, and that's how it's going to work is in the freshmen because – the transfer portal kind of worked for a Turgeon. So I need to see the freshmen from places that surprise me. Yeah, and I think without reiterating all the same things that you guys said, for me, the the other part of this is going to be the on-court play, right? Do we see more of a Gary Williams style of coaching? Because basically everything he said in the press conference modeled Gary Williams' approach in the sense that he's going to be pressing off the line and all that. I want to see Would that. Would you say that, that presser? <laughs> I want to see that. He did. He mentioned it in the presser. So uh, I for me, that's what I want to see. I don't want to see the same old offense that we've been running the same because I think that's what a lot of the fans are worried about is you're going to see a similar coaching style from Willard that you saw from Turgeon, and it's just going to be a rinse and repeat for the next 10 years with this guy. I want to see the difference on the court and in the in-game coaching. I will say Willard had an answer for the for the slow offense and not doing it, that he mentioned that that was part of his technique, part of his effort early at Seton Hall. But with the COVID and the shortened bot rosters and just probably the lack of depth at Seton Hall, can I mean, you can't imagine that their bench players are going to be worth the teams they're playing because they're playing this top-level competition that he couldn't burn the candle at both ends and put his team through that. So hopefully he will be able to get through into more of that with – you know, every year we fall for it. The deep rosters that Maryland has. <laughs> Seven or eight deep, Ryan. Every year. Every year. Every, every year, year, Fred. <laughs> I've never seen it. Uh, every year. 
Well, we like Maryland's nine wins. I call every yeah, year. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, we appreciate you guys tuning in as always every week. What is your guys take? What is your opinion now that you've had a time to digest it? If you're listening to this via the inside black and gold, leave your comments down below. Let us know how you guys are feeling about this hire. Are you more excited about it now that you've had a few days? Uh, or if you, are you more excited about it now? You had a chance to listen to us a little bit. Uh, if you're not already, make sure you're following us on all of our social media platforms. Follow the show at Shell and Tell Pod on Twitter uh, or Facebook. You can follow us. You can follow me at Fred BLBS. Follow Ryan at Terps B. Espert. Follow Ahmed at Gafir the Turtle. And again, if you're not, pay that eight bucks. It's worth every pay, every penny of its weight in gold for Inside Black and Gold for all the latest on recruiting information, including a new show you're working on, Ahmed. Yeah, we got Inside the Bag. Uh, it's a show with uh, me and Mason Viner uh, over from Terp Talk and uh, Young Terp, excuse me. Um, I think he does a really good job of just kind of uh, pr- pr- providing some news on you know recruiting and kind of going into trends and things like that and just feedback, especially with uh, football uh, recruiting. Uh, that period wrapped up and a lot, a lot of guys coming through campus these last couple of weeks. Uh, and then obviously with basketball recruiting, things like that. So uh, definitely, definitely a good uh, show. Definitely come check us out. Yeah, I'm glad to see that. He's always been really good to us. We're yeah. open. We've had communication with him ever since yeah. we started uh, Shell and Tell, and it's been good to bend his ear a few times. Yeah, maybe we can do a big collab show. Maybe we'll put something together for the spring game. That would be a lot of fun. That uh, would be very good. Yeah. Well, appreciate you guys tuning in. Ryan, sign us off. All right, guys. Well, it's over. It's done. This is your coach. Let's get behind him. Let's get excited. Let's see these recruits start rolling in. It actually means something. You know, I've, I've been the naysayer about Maryland recruiting ever since we didn't have a head coach. Now it matters. Now is <laughs> the game. So until next time, guys, here's to wishing all is well under the shell.